Charlotte Soccer Show, John Hayes, Danny Brams in the house. It's a beautiful Sunday evening in the QC. It's happy hour on a Sunday. It's a good time to be drinking beer on a Sunday. We we had to come here to get happy after last night. It's a history-making episode for a couple reasons. First reason is there's a live band here at Heist, and I think you could potentially, you know, hear their jams in the background. So we're gonna we're gonna do this first segment, you know, with this crew in the background. It's been it's been an awesome vibe here this afternoon. We're at the Brewing Company and Barrel Arts location of of Heist, which is up here right outside of Camp North End. And Danny Brams, we're we're here for a reason tonight, and we'll we'll get into that later in the show. The other the other history making part of this podcast, Danny Brands, is it was the worst loss in <laughs> Charlotte FC history on Saturday night at Toronto. Ugh. So Was it? <laughs> did, I, did that really happen, or was that a nightmare that I just lived through? <laughs> so we have to talk about it, Danny Brands, and, and what we did before the show, and, and first and foremost, um, what were you drinking today here at Heist? Uh, I got another hazy. You know I love my hazies, and uh, you know I love my name, Daniel. And they look up on the board here at Heist Brewery and Barrel Arts, and I see a Donker Daniel Hazy IPA. You know I'm going to get it. So I ordered it. I'm drinking a Donker Dan's, and uh, it's beautiful. For me, it's a Druid City Pilsner. And I, and I, just Love a, I know you're a Pilsner guy. I do. I like Pilsners. Um, I certainly do. And it's it's it has a lot of taste. And I think a lot of people, when they think of Pilsner, think of... Not a lot of taste, right? Um, but this this is a this is a solid pilsner. Like my mind goes to the Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Light, uh, Unholy Trinity, you know. But maybe I should branch out a little more, get off this uh, hazy kick that I've been on lately. And for what it's worth, most most things I do, Danny Brands, um, are calculated. And when I drink beer, I, I view pilsner as a foundation. I like it as a as a layer, as in. As an introduction into my my beer drinking afternoon or evening, so I'll definitely move on from from a pilsner. And I think you can go back and listen to the episodes, and you'll see. In the first segment, I always have pilsner, and the second segment, I don't. I'll, I'll have something different, like a hazy IPA. So, one thing I wanted to do on the show today, Danny Rams, is hopefully people here listening to the show uh, enjoy the vibe today. It's something different. It's something different. And I think. After last night, we need anything different. Right, right. Well, you and I, in you know, in our non-sports lives, are avid concert goers. We love music. Something uh, we've actually never had a chance to go to a concert together, which I'm sure we'll remedy that at some point soon. But we both love to go to live shows. It's a huge part of our lives. And uh, our listeners know that you drove cross country and saw widespread panic right. at Red Rocks this <laughs> right, season. Right, right, exactly. Which Sh- is awesome. Right. I- Shout out to Volak for that recommendation. Uh, he kind of talked. I was kind of on the fence that I was going to make that trip. He's like, "Oh, you got to go to Red Rocks." And I was like, "Yep, you're right. Paid off very well." Myself, I'm I'm always going to shows, um, and for what it's worth, and I'm I'm excited to put this on the podcast for the first time, is that the best venue in Charlotte is the Credit Union Amphitheater at the Music Factory, and I think it's an underrated venue. And I had a conversation this weekend. Someone was there for the first time and said, "Wow, that was an amazing venue. It's not what I expected." And so if you haven't been to a show there, make sure you get there in the summertime, the spring, the fall. Perfect time. It's an outside venue. It's a beautiful place to be. Such so. a cool little area of Charlotte, the Music Factory. I hope, I hope that we never. That's part of the soul of Charlotte. I feel like that whole neighborhood. I actually went to a Blue Furia watch party there one time for a Charlotte FC match, and great area. Got check it out if you haven't. 
Of course, I'm John Hayes. He's Danny Brams. You can follow us on Twitter at John Hayes on Air. But I, I, I prefer if you'd follow at Danny Brams on Twitter because that's where you really get the heat, especially on match <laughs> night. Uh, you can also follow us, our show, For the Crown Baby, at For the Crown Baby on Twitter. And we'll have some new social platforms uh, coming out soon because there's uh, something I have on my list of things to do, Danny Brands, when it comes to the Charlotte Soccer Show, and that is uh, a YouTube page. Uh, I think it's time for us to have a YouTube page, and that's something that I want to launch here uh, in the coming weeks, the coming months, uh, for the Charlotte Soccer Show. And one thing that we love to do especially on Twitter, and, and we'll also be able to do this on YouTube as well, is ask the fans what they think. And I think the reason why I wanted to start it, start today's episode, Danny Brands, not with necessarily your takeaways from the match or my takeaways from the nat- match. I just wanted to give the audience a sampling of the responses to our question. <laughs> with well, maybe maybe the most responded to question that we've had so far. It's, it's funny how... Everybody loves to celebrate a winner, but the, the knives come out when things go bad, and people are, are talking, for sure. I, I said drop your thoughts and or questions about last night's 4-0 to nil loss versus Toronto. Was the worst loss in club history an outlier or a sign of things to come? Danny Brams, a, a lot of responses here. Did anything stick out specifically to you, and, and was there anything that you agreed with from our tremendous friends of the show who weighed in heavily, might I say, on the topic. I think the, the overall theme is that unfortunately it's not an outlier. It, it is the worst we've had, but most people that are clued in, that are in this fan base and, and that love the club but, but don't necessarily look at everything in the world through mint-colored glasses, people that are realism, realistic about the fates of, of this thing that they love so much, they understand that to, for Charlotte to go and look bad and lose on the road is not an outlier, unfortunately. It's just not. We're a bad road team. We give away. We gave away a 2-0 lead on the road. We took two and a half months to get our first road win. We couldn't beat Colorado despite a bunch of chances. Uh, we we were so happy just to get a draw on the road there. You know, Latanzio completely turtled against Columbus with 30 minutes left in the match that we could have won on the road. We're just a bad road team. It just is what it is. I hate to say it, but it's true. And, and most fans seem to recognize that, which I guess that's good. I'll, I'll read Russell Bowman's response. Uh, he says, hard to know, and I think that's an appropriate answer. We don't know, but it's certainly okay to have an opinion. Performances actually seem more volatile under Latanzio. Can't believe we haven't scored anyone in the summer transfer window and teams are getting stronger all around us. Yeah. That's well, a good comment. It's true. I mean, case in point, Toronto. I mean, this is a cellar-dwelling team that we the, – the reason this hurt so bad, I think, was because uh, I'll admit I'll cop to some extreme overconfidence on my part individually going into this match. I thought this would be an easy win. I don't rate Toronto whatsoever. I think they're a crummy club that's having a bad season. And I just thought we were going to go up there and get three points. I was like, this is easy three points for us. We got we got to count these three points in the bag. Cellar-dweller team and, and in terms of the table. It doesn't matter that we're on the road. We got This is an easy win. And so I got over my skis on on my own social, on the the show account social. I was I was tweeting irresponsibly. I was I was putting things out there like who, the ghost of Michael Bradley and, you know, like, oh, you're, Toronto's going to break their new toys on the first time they played with them and stuff like that. And, I, you know, karma is a bitch, and karma treated me like the little bitch that I can be sometimes because <laughs> uh, 
it was a SmackDown, it was a beatdown, and it was the new toys that made us look so bad. It was Insigne, it was Bernadeschi that were out there just like completely transforming Toronto, and it just underlines and underscores the teams around us are getting better. Like uh, Bowman says, we just if to stand pat in this transfer window, it, it, which I think I, I predict we make no new signings for two weeks. I'd love to be proven wrong on that, but just everything Zoran said and the, the action in the market right now. I don't think we're going to end up with the summer signing. I, I think there's two weeks left in the window and that as far as, you know, uh, Bank of America Stadium front office is concerned, the, the window might as well already be closed because I don't see these guys going to get a move. The, the team has proven that it's a little on the cheap side in terms of uh, overall payroll and in terms of the offers that we've put out there for players who've been available. So all that is to say that uh, we're, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. Uh, I know people don't want to hear that, but I don't give a damn. We're in trouble. Like, <laughs> like, it, it goes even beyond the games in hand on the table at this point. We're just sliding down the table regardless of the games played situation, and it just gets to, like, we just, like, again, we just got embarrassed by a team that had been in last place because they brought in three new really high-quality players, and we're bringing in nobody. And, like, it, I just want to say that, like, I'm not some, like, I'm not followed MLS for 20 years, but I have followed it for five years, and I know a little bit about how an MLS season goes, and I know it's a long grinder of a marathon type of season, and the teams that don't bring in reinforcements in the summer are the teams that fade out of the playoff race. I know that 100%, and I see it happening to Charlotte, and I'm not happy. Mike Umberger, uh, he, he tweets in, and, and by the way, in his profile, it says he's a member of the Mech Reserves and the Independents. The original. The original supporters group in Charlotte. Let's go Mex Reserves. Last night, the Independence with a, a, a nice W. Oh, I don't know if we, this is like a, a bonus episode to just talk about my feelings of the Independence. We have too much other important stuff to talk about, but it really did make me feel a lot better after that really horrible FC performance last night. I was planning to watch like the late night MLS games. I was like, okay, I want to see how everything goes in the West after our match. Our match was so bad that I was like, no, I need to heal right now. I need some healing. I need to go check in with Charlotte Independence, the first club that I ever followed when I first moved to Charlotte. And it was great to see him with some FC boys get a, a win out in Tucson. The, uh, Chris Hager looked amazing. But yeah, uh, whatever. Uh, again, whole side episode. Yeah, but I wanted to give that shout out to, to the Independence after a nice win and Hagar making a, an impact. He says, Mike does, bad loss. Not an outlier, really. FCR consistently bad on the road. I feel like the other team always plays with more focus and energy. Why can't we match that? That's the that's the uh, that's the big question for sure. The uh, I would put it to it's tough to focus when things are changing a lot, and for all his sort of you know calm demeanor on the outside that he's helped with. Latanzio tends to be a little bit of a wild man with his team selections. If you look now over the sample that we've built, yesterday three new guys were playing in positions that they'd never played before all season as far, I mean, well, technically not true because Fuchs knows center back, but I mean, Walks is out at right back, Josviak's at, at center mid, and Fuchs is playing center back for the first time in a few months, let's say at least. So, you know, do you need to change three guys positionally when you go up on the road to play to play a team? I'm not sure if that's the right move, but it's it's just uh, it's not good. It, it kind of speaks to what uh, the earlier comment we talked about how things results are somehow more volatile under Latanzio, even though he's a less volatile personality. It's an interesting comment, and it's true. And 
I also think it's important to think of it this way. When clubs come into the keep and Charlotte FC has a home match, it's tough for other clubs to match our energy as well. Right. So I think it's one of those moments where as a Charlotte FC fan, you have to realize that what happens at the keep is not a standalone event in Charlotte. Right. There's other fan bases in MLS that create similar type environments. And in Toronto last night, large in part because of the debutantes, the, the, right. the, the atmosphere was electric. And, yeah. and Charlotte FC just had right. no chance. Those guys have been waiting for Lorenzo Insigne. To, they, he was signed in January. Right. And like they've been waiting like seven months for this guy. Uh, to show up and he made a big impact he made i i was really like trying to be down on him like ah, oh, he he ran away from the italian league to come try to have it easy in mls whether that's true or not he did have it easy on saturday night for sure so it is what it is on that one i, I when it comes to focus the comment mentioned focus like it is tough to focus and when let's say the team shows up for a home match and is a little bit less than focused they're, we're going to carry them. The supporters, the royal family in the Min Street end at the Cape is going to help cover for a lot of mistakes that the team might make. Just our energy, our ability as, as supporters to raise the team to another level is something we should all be proud of. We should pat ourselves on the back for because I don't care what any, like, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of people who will tell you nothing ever bad about Charlotte FC. And I think a lot of times they have vested interests in maintaining a positive image about the club no matter what, even if it's not authentic. And the fact is, it's tough to be positive about a 4-0 loss on the road where you got thoroughly embarrassed in the first half and then played 45 minutes of kick around in the second half that didn't matter. So I want to be real because our supporters have shown themselves in mass to be worthy of that realness. We do a great job when we're at the keep and that's special and our players are able to elevate to a higher level than they inherently possess thanks to our support as fans. You can call that vain, you can call that bragging, but I 100% believe it's true. Roscoe has questions for us. Ash Hamrick has questions for you, Danny Rams. He's mostly, everybody, especially DB's hot, hot takes. <laughs> I, I always think like, is that you? Is that your burner account? Um, <laughs> Same initials, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we're gonna get to his question as well. Jesse Fry chimes in, Our, your friend from So Rare, Amadio. Uh, it's a Sunday evening. It, we're here at uh, Heist Brewery and, and Barrel Arts, uh, right near Camp North End, where we can see the water tower. And it's, it's exactly where we were uh, about seven months ago. Right, the kit reveal. We were, we were ready to see Charlotte FC's inaugural season, their kits. It was an amazing night here, and that time has gone by. And this club has revealed somewhat of its identity. And, and our manager, M Miguel Angel Ramirez, on that night, who, by the way, wasn't there. <laughs> Good point, yeah. <laughs> for yeah. the kit reveal. Yeah. Uh, Christian Fuchs was. I met Jordi Alcivar that night. I, I, tried, I had a conversation in, in broken Spanglish with him that was uh, very meaningful and I'll always uh, cherish and never forget. So we're, we're going to talk about big picture. That, that's why I wanted to bring you here, Danny Browns. Is, I love it. Is, we we is, actually this is where we came after the kit reveal and I had know. a few pops for right. sure. This that, is our first time back since then. And, so and, and that's why I suggested this place so we could look at that water tower and remember what it was like mm -hmm. in the build up to the season and this first year for Charlotte FC. And there's a home match on Saturday, so we're not going to change our tone. We've got a lot of questions, and quite frankly, a lot of them are negative. But just for this quick second, enjoy the positive. There's a home match on Saturday. At right. The keep. It's Saturday night, it's the Charlotte Soccer Show, and 
we're going to enjoy a little bit of music. We're going to, we're going to enjoy a little bit of tunes here at Heist. It's a good vibe, uh, a marketplace as well. I'm kind of, can I just say that I'm feeling a lot of healing going on right now in the recording of this episode? This, this musical vibe, there's parents out here playing on the grass, running around barefoot with their kids. There's little booths where people are selling handmade crafts. We're drinking good beer and it just kind of reminds me that life in Charlotte is beautiful and great almost every single day, even when FC has us down. And as a little teaser, we will get positive because I feel very excited about this upcoming home match besides uh, all the recent results. We do need to get a little bit more into you know what happened, I think, but there's some positive around the corner. It's okay. You can take two different viewpoints, Danny Brands. He's taking the micro, I'm taking the macro. It's the Charlotte Soccer Show. We'll be back right after this. Charlotte Soccer Show, we're here, we're back, and we're in between sets, so uh, it was good timing for us to go get a beer and come back out here and, and talk more Charlotte Soccer with you on the show. Follow us on Twitter, at For The Crown Baby, we're, we're going to answer a lot of your questions, and we're, and we're going to share some, some, some thoughts as well that we had this morning when we saw a team executive tweet something, the president of Charlotte FC tweet this morning, Joe LeBlue. His reaction to Saturday night's loss, Danny Brams. Yeah, and uh, Joe says, last night was bad. Everyone was frustrated. In a season of 34 matches, the unfortunate reality is that that was probably going to happen along the way, inaugural season or not. We'll stay together, refocus, remain confident, work hard, and bounce back, three exclamation point, hashtag for the crown. So, Joe... I, I, I disagree with the sentiment there. I think you need to call things out for what they are, and I think I would have much preferred to see a message coming from the team executives that last night was completely unacceptable. I, I'm pretty sure that's the message that was being passed around behind closed doors. I'm fairly certain of that. I don't think they were coming with this kumbaya BS to the players in the locker room that were down and out after flying to Canada and losing 4-0. The so. captain, Christian Fuchs, is well aware of the embarrassment that right. the first half was. I believe Fuchs's quote was, absolute crap, <laughs> you know, and uh, thank God for that. So whatever, you know, I, I feel like I've gone back and forth on Fuchs, but he's my team dad, he's my captain, and I'm going to uh, follow his lead in a lot of things, and this is one where I'm definitely following his lead, and the, the team executives need to do the same thing as far as I'm concerned, and also go sign four players please right away that are good no one would be nice <laughs> i mean i mean there's players out there i mean the, this idea that like oh we got to get the perfect signing you know we got to make sure that they're the right fit for this year and years to come and we don't want to blow our money and, and end up with another mistake like tt ortiz well tt's alone and he's only making 300k this year and that's a that's a very easy to get rid of type of thing it so bringing TT in is not what hurt Alan our Franco team. was on loan too. Yeah, I mean, I've heard people say like, oh, well, uh, you know, the reason we're behind in signing players is because MAR wasted two of the international spots on his pet projects that had no chance of working out. Those were extremely low-risk moves that meant nothing and should not be preventing us from bringing in quality players. And by the way, they served their purpose, which was to have a sense of 
how MAR wants to play right. from game one for a squad right. that wasn't even completely put together three and weeks before the first match. Like, MAR didn't know he was going to get fired, and none of us did. So, I mean, you can't blame them for trying to bring in players that the manager wants. That, that That's only natural. My take on that is that the the reaction to the first half embarrassment against Toronto, which, you know, four goals and a half is, is absurd, right? right. At, at the professional level... You can you can talk about how oh in the second half the team improved. I put I got to push back on that though too. The second half meant nothing when you're down four nothing. Okay, like it was a kick around. Toronto just parked the bus and just let us come at them and then kicked the ball out of bounds for 45 minutes and then waited till we got a red card and the game was over. Like, don't don't give me that we bounced back in the second half crap. So, it's pretty clear where we stand, and I think it's a loser's mentality to consider last night's defeat as something that was bound to happen and right. something that was inevitable and something that fans should have expected. No, right. I didn't expect that. That's happened to maybe three or four other times in MLS this year. A, 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 an absolute thrashing blowout. There's no reason. There's absolutely no reason to say that we should have expected that to happen at some point this year. Then You know who, you know who that happens to? Bad clubs. It's fair. And you can't let a result like that seep into your club's culture, right, right? As almost as is as it is expected. The expectation, a, a, a positive culture, is the expectation of winning every match. And when you when you give up four goals on the road in the first half against a team with new players who have never played together before, remember, there's this thing as chemistry, and there's things that. Players have to get together. This is right. the first time these players were playing with each other. <laughs> right, right. And they hadn't even really trained, you know. <laughs> That's the thing. Bernadeschi was fresh off the damn plane. Insigne just got there a week ago, you know. <laughs> and meanwhile, Charlotte FC has Anton Walks playing at right back. Right. For the first time in years in his career. And All Camilo Yuzviak playing a creative midfield role who is someone that has been, you know, totally Jekyll and Hyde all season. Ha- has he put himself in decent positions? Yes. There's been many times where Camille Yuzviak is part of a potential goal-scoring opportunity. Do you know how many goals have, have, have happened from those? Yeah, he's usually the one that short-circuits that opportunity is the problem. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he's the guy that can fill T.T. Ortiz's shoes. Right. He's the guy that can yeah. play a new position for the first time and somehow be a number 10 in MLS. Right. I feel like I'm living in... A world where a 7.2 beer has maybe gotten to my head. <laughs> That's right. We forgot to mention that we have switched up for segment two. We got so into it right away uh, with the uh, the comments there that, yeah, we were drinking uh, a little flavor in your ear. New England IPA. We walked in for our second uh, second beers today and said, hey, what's the highest ABV on the board? Let's go there. And uh, it turned out to be the flavor in your ear, New England IPA for both of us. A little shout out to Craig Mack. 90s rap luminary with the flavor in your ear and uh if you're too young to remember that well god bless you i envy you <laughs> i wish i was that young again. i wasn't planning on having a a beer like this but when you said the name was flavor in your ear and i realized what that's exactly what this podcast is mm-hmm. uh, a flavor in your ear to charlotte fc fans and sometimes you like the taste other times it might be a little sour it might be a little bitter it might be a little salty and today, I think you're going to get all of those emotions. But as long as it's strong, then you're going to appreciate it, hopefully. Absolutely right. So, you wanted to get into the nitty-gritty of the match. You wanted to get into your reaction 
as far as a player perspective. Typically what we do after matches is we say, who was the best player of the match? Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about who went the full 90. We talk about the, the tactics. And I think after this one, I want to move on quickly. So I'm not going to sit here for the next 30 minutes and talk about the tactics in this match and who played well and who didn't. When you lose 4-0 because of four goals in the first half, everybody shoulders that loss. Right. There's no way to it's, – it's hard to pick it apart. So if I were to ask you, what does somebody need to know? Right? Uh, but uh, there's a lot of noise after this historic loss for Charlotte FC. What, what do people need to know about the match that has an impact on things moving forward? What you need to know is that this team – much like you described Camille's individual performances, Jekyll and Hyde, this team is just pure Jekyll and Hyde. And I've seen the people chattering, oh, we played better in the second half against Toronto. Oh, we, we, we counted well for ourselves in the second half against Toronto. Oh, uh, you know, we, it's only the, the bad second half against Miami, and we were actually really, you know, it's only two bad halves over the last couple games that have been bad. I've seen that talking point, and i got to push back on that because – Outside of Yori Reyna's two really nice goals, we were horrible against Miami. They pressured us the entire first half, dominated possession in the first half. And they half. scored three in the second half. Right. Which means that Charlotte FC has given up seven goals in the last 90 minutes. Right. And we we, we won the first half against Miami uh, on the score sheet, but we looked horrible. And Miami dominated us, and we scored you know two nice one – Seven go- goals in 90 minutes. Goal. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Yeah. Seven goals in 90 minutes is, is, is bad, man. It's real bad. Uh, which was which is weird for me, Brams, because when MAR started this tactical build, it was all about the spine, the defense. I, I did interviews on local radio before the season start. Started with our friends at 7:30 the game, and talked to them about how hey, if you like defense, Charlotte FC is the club for you. Mm-hmm. And the, the strength of this squad li- lies there, and um, this this squad potentially could get some a lot of draws. Right, I literally said that before the season <laughs> right. that this squad could potentially nil-nil draws, one-one draws. Mm-hmm. That 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 is a, a game plan that could work for this franchise. And Charlotte F- FC can't fucking draw to save their right. life. I think we have the most losses in the league and uh, among the fewest draws. If you if you looked at it, you know, like people hate draws in soccer, but actually draws can move you up the table if you if you uh, especially are, on the road. You, know, you don't when even you have turn losses, yeah, turning losses into draws is the key. Really, right. to, to getting success in, in your franchise, because you're especially on the road. Yes. I think but that's the other thing people need to know. When you ask me what people need to know, we're in kind of a dangerous spot of losing our, our, our most impressive signature characteristic, which I shouted out on the last episode when we were at Lenny Boy and we were all feeling so good about that uh, Chelsea exhibition of like, hey, this team doesn't let other teams do what they want to do. I explicitly said it that way, and I believed it at the time, and I still want to believe it. But the fact is, we Toronto just got to do whatever they wanted, which was pathetic, and like, it was just so against the grain of what we've done. Like, I thought we there was a like I thought there was no chance we could lose. I'll admit, I, I, my hubris was off the charts on that one. But like knowing that if not there the was first time, by the if way. there was a way, well, hey, I, and I have no regrets. I'm you know what, not the last time, <laughs> not the last time for sure. But the uh, if there was a way that we were gonna lose, I would have thought it would be like you know a fluky goal or some bad luck or or penalties or something like that. But we just looked bad and we let Toronto do whatever they wanted to do. It, it, it was it was really rough to see. And so what the it becomes a point of, is this a turning point? The last 180 minutes of, of this club on the pitch that matters, we can talk about Chelsea or not later, which I have a 
I thought my thought on that just I, I actually don't want to talk about it that much later but so let me just get in that yeah, like this is go. this is something Now's I your time. yeah this is something I sent to you which is that basically we're like a call we were kind of like a college student that had a big final coming up and instead of studying for the final which was Toronto with all their new superstars we decided to go out to happy hour the night before the final and have a grand old time and play Chelsea and win against Chelsea and make some special memories that you know are indefinitely enhancing our lives and making our 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 psyche and our psychological makeup feel better but they're not really helping us get anywhere and we showed up for the final the next day and we were completely hung over and flunked our asses off yeah. essentially and, and so your gpa suffered because yeah exactly yeah, but, but but your street cred on wednesday yeah memories it, are great yeah, it was good. and and i'm not there, there might not be anything wrong with that to be perfectly honest i i hold no grudges against anyone who is going to remember that being in the keep for that Chelsea match is one of their highlights of the season. That's fine. I, I don't begrudge you that at all. But it did not help us in the actual goals whatsoever. And the goal is a playoff match. And a playoff match that is should be our season ticket holder plus one. Because <laughs> we still don't have it and we don't know when it's coming. Right. That it, might it, be the downside. It, playoff tickets will be 500 bucks each for the supporters at this point, the way Tepper goes. Well, what I don't understand is that what happens to the plus one after the season ends and Charlotte FC doesn't host the playoff match. Does it carry over? It does not. I, I, I haven't seen anything <laughs> official, but I can confidently state it will not. Yeah. Man, that's rough. That's brutal. The Chelsea match could have been that. I mean, look, I mean, that's, again, we can, we can dive into this. We can dive deep on this. I mean, David Tepper runs this club like one of his business units, and it's about the P&L sheet. And it, the wins and losses don't really matter to him. Like, we we feel these wins and losses. He's just out there trying to get a, a photo op with the governor at the Chelsea match. It's, you know, I mean, it is what it is as, as, as far as we he's our owner and he brought us the team. But, like, he, there's a chance he could run this shit in the ground. Well, whether he runs it into the ground from a financial point of view is debatable. Whether he runs it into the, the ground is, if you think of the ground as the, the table and you think of, like, the the ground level as a playoff spot yes he could dig a hole and throw Charlotte FC in there and they can never that's come what I'm worried there. about that's uh, what I'm worried because about. of his interest in keeping financial business tight and th there's a lot of things happening right now and I haven't made up my mind quite yet uh, because I actually like the cancellation of the Rock Hill practice facility right yeah you had no beef with that which I'm fine well, I, I always say I Rock agree Hill. With you Rock actually Hill or Fort Mill it's I believe it was Rock Hill. Okay. And the uh, the thing is, I'm with you on that. Actually, you kind of like really made a case last episode and, yeah. and kind of I bought into what you were saying. I hadn't really thought as much of it before, but like, let's try to keep it uptown for sure. I have no beef with that. Yeah. You're right. So he, he bails out of that. He bails I, out of the, the Eastland Mall site. And I'm like, fine, right. whatever. And the re But so, sign, uh, us, sign us some players, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What he should do is he should just put basically $7 million aside. And right. tell Zoran to like go get somebody right. that's a designated player, or go get two guys that are like designated player who is a short-term player and somebody else who could be a long-term player. There's a lot. There's a lot of things to think about as well. There's there's people out there like if you remember a few weeks back, Charlotte was rumored to a guy named Nico, Nico Castro. You know, most of you probably never seen Nico Castro play. I'm not some Nico Castro expert, but I have seen him play. I've followed his stats. I know that he was a rising star for a club called Newell's Old Boys down in Argentina. 
and he was rumored to have some interest in coming to MLS and going to Charlotte. He, this is a guy that like that his old club like raised him up as as a starlet to go sell on the market, right? And like they were going to make a big profit off this kid, and Charlotte was in the mix for him. And what did we do? We offered way lower than they were asking. We lowball offered. Now he's in Belgium. He's about getting ready to make his debut in the Belgian league and getting all kind of hype over there. And it, it's not even about Nico Castro. There's What I'm saying is there are a dozen and a half Nico Castros out there that we don't know exactly who the names are. I trust our scouts. I know our scouts are out there getting. And I almost, I can't even put it on Zorn. You know, I, I think if Zorn had his way, he would be signing the players. It's not really on him. It's about the, who's controlling the purse strings at this point. Because we're making lowball offers and seeing people that we want go somewhere else. And, and who's on board and who's a yes man? Because there's somebody that you don't hear out in the public space right now asking to improve his squad. And that is interim manager Christian Latanzio. Yeah. Whether he's putting pressure on the front office to, to sign players or not, I don't know for sure. But it seems like he might be asking for a central creative midfielder. And that's what the club has focused on. And they could sign a right back, a, a, a center defensive midfielder, a new goalkeeper. And none of it would matter unless there's a, a, a veteran creative presence in the midfield that can boss a game in a way that Brant Bronico does. And Bronny Bro's a, a, a great player and somebody that that the fan base loves and And improving and getting and will be get even better in the future. Like I love everything his career is tracking on. But in the offensive third, he's just not the creative playmaker that you want in the midfield and that's okay. But that limitation is there and it, it needs its self awareness. And I think if the fan base doesn't realize that then they better take the blue pill instead of the red pill and find themselves in uh, what reality actually looks like when it comes to Charlotte FC's midfield. Uh, tremendous friends of the show. We're back. We're here for you. And there, there's a few comments on the tweet because I said drop your thoughts and or questions. So I'll give JPP some love. He says it was a very bad performance. We know the team is capable of more. That is the root of the frustration. No excuses of a lack of a creative attacking midfielder, etc. Central attacking midfielder, I, I view those the, the cam as a hybrid of those two words, central and creative. As supporters and season tickets holders, we have the right to be upset, but this is when the team needs us the loudest. 7.30, that's right. The reason why I like JPP is because he's always ready for the next party. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Like, Most you, definitely. The party might suck one week, but he's like, yo, yeah. we got to party hard. Let's go to the next week. Like, it's going to be better. We're going to party. And and that's why I like JPP. There's not there's not much to add there. Um, I, I don't I don't have any favorite tremendous friends of the show. They're like my, you know, I, I don't, they're all, you're all my children. <laughs> you know, if you can excuse a bit of paternalism on my part. Yeah, but I mean, but uh, you are a dad, by the way. I am a dad, yeah. I don't, I do have a favorite child, but that's because I only have one child. But as far as fans, I love James Paul Perez. I mean, this guy is the freaking man. He always comes to see us and say hi in the supporters. He always is coming up with strong perspectives on the social conversations that we love to have. And he's right. This We are right to be upset, and that's why this is a, a podcast where we get to come in the, in right after the game and vent all our frustrations. And that's healthy, and if you think it's not healthy, then you're wrong. And that's okay. But he's also right when he says this is when the club needs us the loudest. This is when we need to regroup. We need to show up at the keep. 
for the Columbus match, and we need to be ready to lift this team. to Because what we do, I said it earlier, but I'll re-underline it one more time. We have the capability as supporters to lift these players to a higher level than they are capable of the, of the on their own. And that's what we have been able to do at home, and that's what we need to do again in multiple times now. Let the record show that I will be absolutely lit at the keep on Saturday night. <laughs> uh, Amadio, for, uh, so rare on Twitter, he chimes in. Uh, does Yozviak, Yozviak deserve a place in the squad, or is his new forced inclusion, which is an interesting phrase, as we saw last night, detrimental to Charlotte FC's success? It's a great question. You nailed it, Amadio. I mean, listen, I think it's one of the meanest nicknames I've ever come up with, and yet it's also one of the most apt. He's useless, Viac, as far as I'm concerned at this point. I... I, I've said probably 20 times now I can't wait for him to prove me wrong, and I'm still waiting. So, Camille, uh, I I want to call it a panic signing. He was brought in, you know, during the time when everyone was like, where's your second DP? Where's your second DP? And well, it's like, not uh, only that, where's your wingers? Where's your yeah, wingers? Yeah, and so they went and got this guy that no one was really all that hyped on anyway. He was playing for a team that got relegated, which – Admittedly, they had some financial problems, which has contributed to the relegation. But like, it's not like this guy was like lighting up some, lighting up some foreign league and and dominating and like helping some team achieve great success. He, and it, you know, I, I don't know, man. Uh, can I, I give just, you a hot take? I mean, I, I'm like holding myself back here. Can you come a little hotter than I've been? Because I, I can't go all in, but I do not like this guy on the club. I, I think that this take is like potentially like a face melter. And I got my drink in hand. <laughs> so just be ready for it. And um, I will say this is that Gabrielle Oberton is better than Camille Yuzviak. <laughs> Thank God you said it. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and, like, it's just it's the facts of the situation. Like, I mean, we could have had Oberton. We wanted to bring Oberton in. The, the club didn't want to commit an international roster spot to him, and he was still in the business in the uh, business process of getting his uh, American citizenship sorted out. So, yeah, he he trialed with us in the preseason, played in the uh, Carolina Challenge Cup, and, and was pretty good. Uh, I think you're right. I think that my face would be melted just by the sheer temperature that's coming off of that take except i also completely agree with it and think it's 100 percent true and that's the only thing that's you know keeping so my you, face you've attached got, to you, you've my body right this fire suit on. Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. you showed up to this podcast wearing a fire suit <laughs> yeah. and so did i yeah, because i knew the the, the tifos were coming in hot yeah uh, oh. and, and speaking of tifos coming in Obertone hot. looked great for the independence last night oh if i shout them out again for sure well, he, he, he got his his citizenship is now taken care of and he's back in charlotte playing for the independence so I wouldn't be surprised, and you heard it here first, if he uh, gets another, another look for Charlotte FC at some point. If things go completely off the wheels, and it potentially could, he's a name to consider. Jesse Fry tweets in. He says, if, if CL hadn't entirely changed the line, and we had played the same squad that won at Houston and at home against Nashville, I might suggest we might be doomed. However... He played a very questionable lineup, so I'm concerned, but not entirely convinced we are doomed. If I could spin that into a question, it is, he changed the lineup. It didn't work. Go back to the old one. Mm-hmm. Things are fine, mm-hmm. right? I wouldn't say fine. I don't I, I don't think it's too simplistic to say, oh, go back to the old lineup, things are fine. But I think go back to the old lineup and, and then evaluate is, is a good point. Jesse makes a pretty insightful, actually, distinction of what's going on here, and that is that Latanzio 
is volatile with his lineups. Not that MAR wasn't a little volatile also, but again, volatile lineups, volatile results, all of that. I love that he brought in the word doom. I see that as I scroll sort of the responses to this question, which thank you, TIFOs, for coming in with great responses. I, I'm hoping that we will address everybody. If anyone feels left out at the end of this, I will apologize. But I love what Jesse's saying because I'm seeing this word doom as I scroll. Is it doom and gloom? Are we doomed? Da, da, da. We're not doomed. We have a giant hill to climb. We are a underdog to make the playoffs, but we're not doomed. I agree completely, but at some point it's just like you can't be going back to the keep every single time to get lifted up. Like at some point you have to come in with momentum. Right. And the fan base is going to lift them up again. So, of course, there's no doom. There's going to be 30,000 people on Saturday night at the keep. It's going to be fucking lit. Yep. And this team could win. But at some point, and they did, for what it's worth, against Houston. They, they got the road win finally, and they came home, and there was momentum. But that... It's not a singular event. You need that. You need that to happen for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. It's not. Hey, we'll come back home and we'll take care of you. Like, no, you have to win. You have to draw road games starting right. now. And and Latanzio, his coaches meeting this week should should be. What are we doing on the road that is not allowing me to draw matchups? Because but, I know. But you MA- think that, or even though we have three straight home games, that's the, that's what I'm worried about. Is that they're going to say, oh, we have three straight home games. And they're going to start focusing on, you know, the game-by-game basis, which is what coaches do. Sure. And all of a sudden, we're going to show up at our next road match, and we're going to fly out to Los Angeles in three weeks. And there's going to be – no one will have addressed the road problems. I'm worried that, that what you're saying is not going to happen, and I kind of wish it would. Well, uh, make a mental note. <laughs> and when Latanzio shows up into L.A., then to New York after that. Which – thanks, MLS – if his squad is unprepared and they play like shit and they get no points, then they're probably not going to make the playoffs. And the, remember, the theme of the show is what when it comes to Latanzio? It's not... The I word. <laughs> well, sure. He's the interim manager. But what I'm trying to say is, like, I don't feel like I need to have, like, this philosophical conversation about whether Latanzio is the right man for the job because it's just one or the other. He makes the playoffs, he gets the job, he misses the playoffs, yeah. they hire somebody else. And could you imagine, and I wouldn't be surprised, by the way, I think there's like still a 1% chance that he misses the playoffs and the club is, is, is so just asleep at the wheel where they say, come on back, we'll get right. you some new players. Uh, again, they've been asleep at the wheel this entire summer transfer window, so that wouldn't surprise me. It does speak to, if we can shout out DB's hot takes. Yeah. A not my burner, I promise, despite the sharing the initials. He just asked, is CL on the hot seat? He, there's really no hot seat for an interim manager. You know, you're just like, right. it's, it's, it's like, you can't I, well, really be on the hot seat. It's the lukewarm seat because he doesn't have the job yet. Right, he's interim. It's like, so if his he hot, wa- seat if he can only get the, so hot. So, so if he wants to be the manager next season, he needs to have the job. So technically, yes, I... I I think that his seat is hot, Brams. I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like, the seat can't get hot, but, like, the seat was already hot when he sat down. It's uncomfortable, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's gotten a little hotter. There, there, there's... Our, are certain players on the hot seat for their future? We kind of got into that with USV. Is anybody else jumps out of you? Um, I would say that uh, Christian Fuchs, his future as, a like, an on-field guy who is, like, a – player that can play a couple different positions and be the face of the franchise 
for the next three years is, is questionable. He's having a hard time getting through the first year. And the red card was unnecessary. And right. You don't love to see that from your captain to get a straight red. And he's somebody that you put him at left back, you put him at center back. It's like, hey, man, do you want to play center back for the next three years or and finish off your career? Or do you want to just like keep this notion that you can play both positions? So I think Christian Fuchs is somebody, I think Joseph Mora is somebody as well that – and we've known about Joseph Moore from the very beginning. That's fun. It's Jog and Joe. Someone, some, uh, one of my friends sent me a message to say, "Oh man, Jog and Joe is back." And I was like, "He never left." <laughs> Are you kidding me? He's not back. <laughs> so I mean, Joe is somebody as well. And I think uh, when it comes to McNeil in the midfield, too young to make a call. He could be around for a while. I think Bender's. In the same position can be. I mean, Neil, one of the best success stories of the year in terms of being an undrafted guy. That I'm not there yet, because it's only been like five matches since he's been involved. And a lot of times you can come out hot, but it's like the the consistency and like the sustainability that takes you to that next level. And he's not like at that match minute number yet. That makes me think like he can be an undroppable in the midfield. We're talking about oh, we need a central uh, attacking midfield player. To sign, it's like well, why? Because right. the people in the central midfield right. aren't good enough to do it. Because we're starting undrafted free agents. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this: Well, as we're talking about Yusviak and Fuchs, here's a question from TFOS Jonathan Pata at Pata Bread. Great handle on Twitter. He says we're likely missing Yus next game. He, he took a bad ankle injury, which we haven't even got into that. I don't want to. It should have been a penalty. Fuchs red card should have come in a phase of play that was taken out, but that's literally as much as I want to say about the bad refereeing. Uh, But Hughes is probably going to be out with that ankle injury. Did not look like he's going to be ready for the weekend. Fuchs is obviously out with the red card. He's going to be suspended one to two games. Straight red usually gets two in MLS. I don't think his conduct would warrant an extra three game, which sometimes happens. Usually you have to punch a ref to get the third game, but... (laughs) <laughs> if, you punch, if you punch a ref, you should be suspended for the season. Well, well, touch a ref. You know, Lucho Acosta for Cincinnati recently got a three game because he bumped a ref on, oh, on an yeah. issue. So, uh, but yeah, if you punch a ref, you'll probably be out the season. Regardless, Jonathan Potterbread asks, "How does the Usviak and Fuchs being out affect our chances against Columbus?" I'm going to say, not really that much. Usviak does nothing, and Fuchs is replaceable. Uh, he's a he's a as as much as I appreciate him being the captain, I think he's a tone setter. His impact is really more in attitude than on the pitch, right? Agreed. And if Fuchs is, is somebody that feels comfortable on the bench and, and still has a leadership voice, you know what I think about? Um, Roy Kent. Yes. Yes, he's here. He's <laughs> there. He's, he's every, every fucking way. Roy, Roy Kent. Kent. Like, that's... That. <laughs> That's what I think about when I think about Fuchs. Like, that's who he is to this squad. Mm-hmm. He's at the, the the end of his career. Mm-hmm. He's taking care of him, his body as best he can. Mm-hmm. And he he's, has the experience. He's a, a strong leadership presence. We we think that the only difference is, well, and... He tells it like it is. Yeah, Much exactly. like Roy Kent, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like, that that that's good. That's okay. I think, mm-hmm. that, I think there's room for that at this club. Right. And that's who Fuchs is. I, I, don't ever question. I, I mean, we criticize. We are honest. We we point out things that we think should be improved, but don't ever question my love for Christian Fuchs on this club. I mean, it, we are a better club with him than without him, 100%. Absolutely. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we'll be a worse club without him on the pitch 
Saturday against Columbus. I do think that he will not be the make or break factor of whether we beat Columbus. On the last episode, I talked about Anton Walks and his importance to this club. He, he rated a 5.8 at that right-back position on sofa score. Yeah, halftime that, substitution, just yeah. brutal, yeah. But that was a mistake, and it wasn't his right, mistake. It's not it his was fault. the coaching mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like 100%. That's the wrong position. Yep. So, like, if Fuchs isn't at center back, Anton Walks should be at center back as well. And I think that's a change, and as far as, um, you know, this, this the veteran players in the squad in, ge- in general, I think Reyna has been an unbelievable addition to the squad, but, you know, he's he's – doesn't offer you anything except for creativity, and you have to counter that in the back. Reina's been a revelation. I I always am never afraid uh, to admit when I'm wrong. I didn't really love the Reina addition to this club when it happened, and he has opened my eyes. He's been great. I, I I actually really do believe what Christian Latanzio said about a week ago in that Jordi Reina can grow into one of the most important players in the league in MLS. I, I believe that he has that capability in him. And that's a huge 180 from where I was at the start of the year. So I'm not afraid to admit when, when I've been proven wrong. We've got time for maybe two more. All right, I got two good ones. Great. First, I want to hit up our boy 5-2, and two, the 5-2 and two project. You know, the team has some amazing photographers and social media people working on, on under the club's banner, and they, they do great work. And, and uh, Brittany Alvarado, Taylor Banner, your whole team dominates. We, we're currently using one of Taylor's pictures as our header for the show account because it was so good of Brian Romero. But outside of the official media team, we've got the 5 and 2 project. And the 5 and 2 project is just an independent dude who loves shooting soccer and he goes and takes videos and, and I, photos I'd of himself. I call him an independent journalist as much as we are. He's just right. a photojournalist. Right, exactly. And he does a great job and he takes some amazing photos as well. We'll probably use one of his photos as a header at some point soon. But he asked a great question and we could probably take a million years on this, but let's try to rapid fire it. How many players does CLTFC have who would you rate in the top half of their position for MLS? Or if it's easier, how many would start on a majority of other MLS teams that are currently our starters? I saw this question early, so earlier, so I'm prepared for it. Hit me. And... My answer is Guzman Carujo in the back, which I think you know he agree, he would agree with, and a lot of people would agree with as well. Which, just as a as a, as a competing voice to that, we do have one Tifos who uh, still in the speed, who we love, and is a really good soccer mind. I feel hates Guzman Carujo for for whatever reason. Just you know, but I, I think mean, he's got about ninety five percent approval rating in the fan base. He's been a victim of bad luck, and there was a bad luck moment on sure. Saturday night as well. Agreed. Um, and that doesn't mean he's a bad player. I just think that, like, in some cases, his big leg. I honestly think he's elite myself. So, yeah, yeah I think he would start on any MLS team. Other than that, um, unfortunately, the answer is no one. Kalina? No. I think Kalina's a top-half keeper. I think he's right on the line. That's fair. I also think that Bronny Bro's right on the line. I think Bronny Bro's played himself. He, the thing of Bronny Bro is he started at the bottom and has now played himself right. all the way it's, it's up about to like trajectory, yeah, right? exactly. Like, like, yeah, he's yeah. coming into the top half. Right, right. Guzman's he, planted in the top half. Right. Kalina is on the on the brink of the top half. Right. So, I, but everybody else. I, right. A year from now, Bronny might be, you know, one of the top five DMs in the entire league if he keeps on this trajectory. And the only other option that would have been in that group is Carol Swiderski, and the reason why he's not is because the goal scoring isn't there for minutes played. Right. All right, good good answers. Hit one more question, and this is I love this. This is an account that was created recently. If you look, 
It's at BBBCLT, and those three B's stand for beer, bourbon, and Bronico. <laughs> and this guy, I assume it's a guy, forgive me if I'm wrong, but Beer Bourbon Bronico created the account July 2022, and uh, we are one of his first ever followers. So, so this is someone who joined Twitter Which, to talk way, about CLTFC. By the way, can CLTFC. I tell you this about Heist here? Yeah, And the please. barrel arts? You can um, tell me anything about Heist. They only have one liquor here, bourbon. It's the only one you need. I, I love rum, and if I go to the islands, or you know I'm drinking rum, but around town, uh, I only drink bourbon. I actually... Went a little heavy on the bourbon uh, during the second half of the Toronto match as I watched. Uh, I logged off of Twitter at that point, de deleted 16 tweets, and, and poured a glass of bourbon. My but bottle uh, of choice yesterday was Four Roses. Not, not I, the best, but not the worst. I love Four Roses. You've heard me talk yeah, about Four yeah, Roses yeah, before. Yeah, I'm exactly. a huge Four Roses guy. So, But here's the question from Beer Bourbon Bronico, and we love you, and congr welcome to Twitter. Is CL... Failing, so here's the deal: no hustle, no retaliation for hard fouls. Is CL failing to motivate this squad? So that's what I want to ask you about. Do you think we need to be a little meaner on the pitch? Do you think we need to retaliate for fouls and things like that? Because we got pretty abused by Toronto, and they were taking headshots. A bunch of our guys took shots to the head, elbows to the head. Bronico took a shot to the nose. He was bleeding from the nose. Slowed the game down for four or five minutes. I mean, Toronto played a little dirty. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sugarcoat that. They. They beat us so bad it doesn't matter, but we're lacking a little bit of an edge according to Beer Bourbon Bronico. What do you think? I agree, and I think it's a reflection of the change in manager. I think Miguel Angel Ramirez was somebody that was emotional, mm -hmm. that was ready to uh, maybe let the best of his emotions overcome him. And Christian Latanzio is a steadying presence who doesn't necessarily promote that type of behavior on the pitch. He's a calming presence in the box. And I think the club a lot of times, which by the way, we're back, <laughs> baby. The rock and roll is back, hell yeah. A, a perfect way to sign us off here at Heist. And just to finish that thought, I think MAR was an emotional coach, and I think Christian Latanzio is a, tactical is the word that comes to mind, but a regimented coach. I think, right. the, and the squad is reflecting that difference. I mean, Latanzio is a lot older than MAR, and he's been around a lot longer, and that just has a natural way of kind of dulling your edges and, and bringing everything towards the middle. So it doesn't surprise me that Latanzio is a little more low-key. I think it's up to guys like Brawny. I could see, I don't want to read Bronico's mind, but I could see in his eyes when he took that elbow to the nose and was sitting there bleeding on the pitch, he was pissed. And I expect to see our guys come out pissed. I'll be pissed. I'll be pissed if our guys aren't pissed for sure. And we need to come out and be mean against Columbus. We're we're running out of time to get into a full match preview here, but Columbus presents a big challenge because they have two really good new players. One is a new signing and one is a guy who was injured that we didn't face when we went to play in Columbus and Latanzio completely uh, bottled it and, and turtled and kind of cost us a few points by being a, a wimp. Uh, we're, we're a bigger challenge even when they come to the keep as far as who's on the pitch. Got to get mean. It's a great way to think about it, and it's the club was that way. Danny Rams, do you remember how emotional the loss was at Atlanta, how gritty it was, how the players were just fighting for every inch on the pitch? Yep. Yep. I'll never forget it. Do you remember how, what it was like in the U.S. Open Cup against Red Bulls? 
how nasty that yeah. game was. Right, and we were given as good as we got in that one. Against Toronto, we were just taking. And the sad thing is, is that Open Cup loss against New York is, is part of the reason why MAR is no longer the manager here at Charlotte FC. And instead, hey, at least the players have this, Danny Browns. They've got a coach that'll speak to him after the match. <laughs> yeah, I know that was a big, big issue uh, with the previous regime is uh, the lack of post-game pep talks. You tell me if, if pep talks would have made you feel any better after this one. I, I personally would have been upset at anyone who tried to have a conversation with me if I was one of the players after that 4-0 loss to Toronto. So, you know, uh, we'll have to create a Patreon and sign up some Patreon subscribers to really give our, our full uh, thoughts on MAR. We don't need a Patreon, bro. <laughs> you can find the show. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts. And what that means is you can you can pretend we can create content for people that is subscriber only, where they join on Apple Podcasts, and that's where we want you to listen to the show. If, if you well, it's not where we want you to listen to the show. I think it's the best podcast platform that there is. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating, Please. give us a review. It's it's so fun, and and one thing I love to do is read some of these reviews before we get out of here. And we we got one recently that I think is. Um, pretty indicatory of what we try to do on the show. What we try to do on the show is have fun. Have a good time. Enjoy us. On July 6th, it's from our boy DB's Hot Takes, and that's why I wanted to read this. I discovered this pod a month or so before CLTFC began their season. I've followed soccer all my life, but wasn't sure exactly where to find news on this team as they were a new club. This podcast was it for me, and I've enjoyed listening to them ever since. I'm an active follower on Twitter and hope y'all will continue to keep up the hard work and keep spreading the brand. Shout out to you, DB's Hot Takes, which I'm still not 100% certain that that's not Danny Brams's. I, I, is it it's Turner? not. Here's how you know it's not. It's DB's Hot Takes is the name of the account, but then the actual at handle is Liverpool CLTFC and I'm an Arsenal fan. I don't, you know, I respect Liverpool, but I don't I would never put them in my handle name. So that's how you know that's not me. We appreciate that DB. We appreciate all of your feedback on the show. Please leave us a review, leave us a rating, share the show with another Charlotte FC supporter. We're going to be here for the rest of the season and we're not going anywhere. You, you, that's the thing. Like coming like Oh, well, if, if the positivity around the club dies, then all the fans will go away. No, we're going nowhere. Win, lose, or draw. We're, we're here to stay. Charlotte Soccer Show. John Hayes, Danny Brams. Follow the show on Twitter at For the Crown Baby. YouTube page coming. I promise you that. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun project. And we can't wait to talk to our next guests on the show. We have a lot of people in mind come and bring to you, get their unique perspective on Charlotte FC. You're going to enjoy those episodes coming up but as always for the crown baby